0: and welcome to Mrs Techie's Technology Classroom or perhaps it's afternoon or evening where you are Um, but wherever you are thank you for tuning in to listen again. This week we're going to be talking about 21st century skills and how we can integrate them into existing areas of our curriculum in our classrooms. So I think there are really five 21st century skills. Uh, They have a lot of different names and different curriculums in different states but when you break them down I think they come to these five main areas. The first one is collaboration and negotiation, being able to work with others. The second one is entrepreneurial spirit, being able to have an idea and enact it and then reflect on how that went. The third one is innovation, so being able to um, come up with new ideas, new ways of looking at things, new ways of working and new ways to solve existing problems. The next one is ethical citizenship, so being able to understand your own values and morals and being able to live your life in a way that you can um, honor those um, in your day-to-day and the last one is digital literacy and that's something that we've all been teaching and talking about in a lot of different ways um, but it's something we need to think a little more deeply about i believe so starting off with collaboration and negotiation so i'm assuming most of you out there are school teachers there's probably not much i can tell you about this Um, because it's something that's not new to our curriculum. This is something we've been working on for a very, very long time. But I guess in the 21st century, things have changed a little. So if we're talking about collaboration and negotiation, we are of course talking about teamwork. We're talking about learning to listen to one another. We're talking about things like listening to someone and then feeding back information to show you've heard that person and then tactfully bring in your own opinion and so that you can negotiate to find a happy compromise. These things aren't new. However, perhaps the mode of collaboration may have changed in the last little while. I've just started a OneNote um, project in my classroom where we're using OneNote to share uh, resources and ideas with one another and to make notes for joint collaboration. I've also been looking into having some um, incursions in school. And a lot of those are using people um, from far away uh, through the genius of Skype and FaceTime and other types of online um, communication. So this collaboration, um, can, we can put a 21st century spin on it. Um, so entrepreneurial spirit. Okay, next term, I am running $20 Boss. If you haven't heard of that before it's a program where students are given an investment of twenty dollars they have to provide a product or a service and take it to market and then um, work out their profits and pay back their initial investment plus a one dollar fee for interest and then they get to keep the remainder of the money Uh, we're going to look at it in a sustainability sort of setting in our school because we're a reef guardian school so kids are going to think about uh, a product or service that has an element of sustainability and the proceeds from their project are going to go towards their school camp. So it's very highly motivating and it gives them opportunity to collaborate but also to go through that um, design, that technology design sort of cycle. There will obviously be some opportunities for financial maths in there because they need to um, work out how much money they're investing, how they're spending it and come back to me with a balance sheet at the end Um, and they'll also need to work on some English persuasion because they'll need to advertise their product or service effectively so others will want to buy it and obviously there'll be some HASS built in because of the whole economic subject that's in HASS right now so I think it's a wonderful project that's going to tick a few boxes it's going to be engaging and fun and I think these are real world 21st century skills. The kids need to understand um, investment of time and money versus what profit you make. And it might, might set some of them up to think about going into business in the future. Or it might in fact teach some of them that perhaps that type of business is not for them. Um, I know I ran a very small scale project with my daughter last year. We had um, some arts and crafts at our house because we love making arts and crafts. And we thought we would take them to market and sell them and see how much money we could make. She was really excited. sure we were going to make a killing because, you know, we'd made soft toys and paintings and um, special spoons out of ceramic and things like that. And they were quite cute and lovely. Um, We decorated a wheelbarrow because it was a wheelbarrow market. And off we went, and had a lovely evening selling some of our wares. And we sold about fifty percent of our stuff, which was lovely and encouraging. But when we went to settle our books at the end of the night, and we looked at how much it had cost us to actually produce the things that we sold, taking out the twenty-five dollar stall holder fee, and um, then look at you know we had some other expenses like you know we had a hot dog eat. We actually ended up making a profit of only $6. And when we looked at our investment of time and broke it down, our profit into an amount per hour that we had earned, it was just barely cents. And um, so, you know, we both agreed that this perhaps was not going to be the money making exercise she thought it would be. And um, when I asked her, would she like to do it again? She sort of said, mm, I'd have to think about it and make some changes. So I could see some really great learning going on in her head. Um, Another school I've worked at as well did a very similar project It was very successful. Students um, made some products and sold them just within their own school environment with um, the proceeds going to animal uh, welfare causes. So, you know, I've seen it work well. I've seen and really talked to students about the learning that's happened and um, I'm really excited to do it on a little bit of a larger scale, this time with a whole class. So this entrepreneurial spirit, it's really important for kids to understand um, and give them some agency in the world, that they can have an idea, design a plan of attack, run it and then reflect on that. And You know, sometimes it will go well, sometimes it won't, um, but have that opportunity to experience that. Um, not every kid gets the opportunity to go along to work with mum or dad anymore, in actual fact a lot of kids don't actually get the opportunity to even touch money anymore with the way technology has um, improved our existence. Often we're paying with cards and if you ask children about you know who pays for the groceries a lot of little kids will say nobody. Mum just shows someone a card and then they take the groceries home. So this idea about um, being an entrepreneur, knowing how money works and all those sorts of things are really well built in and I do believe this is a critical 21st century skill for our kids to take on. The next one is ethical citizenship and I think this is something kids are really really um, interested in. Um, if we, we only have to look at how quickly um, the plastic bag situation has been resolved in Australia to know that kids have actually got first-hand experience in thinking about the ethical um, considerations of their modern lifestyle. Um, so you know there are talks that we're going to move on to plastic forks soon Um, straws have been disappearing from all over the place and I'm seeing um, cardboard and paper straws popping up which kids seem to hate to me it brings back memories of my own childhood when straws were always cardboard or paper Um, but you know these ideas are are floating around there and kids are quite savvy at knowing what they feel and why and being able to justify what they would they believe in terms of um, how sustainable it is to have all of this plastic around us. But it's not only the plastics industry that's come under fire in the media. So it happens most years and this week we saw again um, articles about the ethical treatment of workers in the overseas textiles and clothing manufacturing industries. So they were talking about the working conditions, one, of people making the clothing that's sold in the chain stores in Australia but also about the amount of pay that they were receiving so that we could buy two and three dollar t-shirts here in Australia. And I think this is something that kids have heard about. It may be a little scary depending on your year level. So you might want to think about the particular learners in your room and perhaps it's more of a a high school type exercise in looking at this because it can be a little confronting to think about how our comfort and convenience can impact the lives of others overseas. Um, So you might want to think about the learners in your room before you have this discussion with them. It's really easy to find out um, where things have been made, which factory, and and actually have a look at um, how what we do here impacts others in other places. Um, There are also some other ethical considerations out there. Um, Things like photography of celebrities, um, so paparazzi, you know, what would you do if you saw um, a celebrity in the street walking along looking good? Would taking a photograph of that celebrity be ethical? Would it be ethical to send that photograph to somewhere like you know, a, a news corporation? Would you accept money for it? You know, and it's okay that students might have different ideas about whether this is ethical or not. You can delve a little deeper into it and say, well, what if a celebrity looked like they were having a bad day and they were crying? Where, how would you feel then? What if a celebrity had fallen over? What would you do? And of course, you know, as kids mature, their ideas about what is right and wrong in the situation may change. I know as a young person, I did journalism at uni, so perhaps that younger version of myself might have thought it was fine to do that. Well, however, now if I saw someone in the street crying and, and they had fallen over, I would go to help them first before I take a photograph and, and sell it to some sort of CD online news outlet. Um, you know, it's okay if you disagree with me, you might have different ideas and this idea about um, forming our own ethical ideas and understanding about the world around us and how we do so is important. Like I said, it's important for us to understand that not everyone will share our viewpoint and it comes down to that little bit of compromise and understanding that we are all different. So it's an interesting conversation to have with kids. Um, The last one that has also been in the news just this week, and it's something new, I haven't heard this before, although I I may have just missed it last time around, but the right to repair. So if we're looking at the gadgets and gizmos that we buy around us, and we certainly have way more than we ever have in the past, um, dishwashers and um, irons and toasters and thermomixers and all sorts of things are out there. Um, This right to repair is something that's coming up new and it's about the fact that um, we buy these appliances lots of us are trying to buy appliances that have some longevity around them for economic reasons but also because we're aware that when we're finished with the item a lot of it's going to go to landfill Um, and if this device breaks you know a lot of them cannot be repaired because they have been built in such a way that to open them up is to destroy the design and it would be very difficult to put it back together A lot of companies will tell you this is for safety, so that people can't get inside and hurt themselves. And so how do we feel about that? Is that a reasonable expectation that we won't be able to repair something? Or should there be a right to repair so that we can make sure that our items have an even longer um, life and that that we can use them more sustainably? So this idea of right to repair I think is going to pop up a few times. And perhaps following this news, story over the next few weeks might be a really interesting talking point with students if you're designing something would you design it to be able to be repaired or recycled or you know other considerations where are your ethics on that how ethical is it to make something that could be opened and tampered with on the inside or out and how might that um, how might companies put themselves out there in terms of um, safety for their brand so there are lots of ethical considerations we can have kids talking about, not the least of which are how to behave online. And I guess that comes down into digital literacy, which I'll talk about next. Um, so if you have any other ethical considerations that you'd like to share with teachers to talk about them, that you don't have to look very far to find them. Um, and I do think that kids really enjoy this sort of adult conversation. Like I said, you really need to make sure that The content that you're talking about in your classroom suits your learners. If you've got a lot of high anxiety kids which a lot of us have in our classrooms you may want to to open with something a little less um, you know less human because we don't you know people with empathy and I hope that's everyone in our rooms don't like to think of people suffering and um, sometimes it can be hard to compartmentalize those images and ideas and we don't want to scare our students. Okay so digital literacy There are uh, so many things that we need to teach our kids in this way. The first one, like I said, is that whole um, acting ethically online. Um, How we speak to people online is something that we do need to teach to kids because when you're standing behind a device, we all know that people can get quite savage quite quickly and we really need to make sure that kids understand that there are living, breathing people on the other end. So in my room, when I taught kids to email, um, I actually gave them some time to email across the room and then we stopped and had some examples about how one person um, typing something on one side of the room to someone on the other side could be taken in the wrong way. Um, and, And we did sort of play act how we could resolve some of those issues. Um, And kids need to have someone beside them, walking them through the ways to communicate with one another. And we forget that so many of our kids have grown up with this, and parents have too. Parents don't understand that um, they just look at kids as digital natives and they think it it comes um, easily to them. But it doesn't. There's so much about communicating online they don't understand. So you can look at your digital footprint and those sorts of things, but also the way we treat others online and how we need to ethically represent ourselves in a safe way online and what we can do if we think things are are not ethical or not right, how we can protect ourselves. So that's one part. The next part is communication, and this builds on that. Ways to communicate um, using digital technology. You know, back... 20, 50, hundred years ago, students learned to communicate at school, but it was more to do with the written word, um, writing letters and those sorts of things, and speaking in front of a group. We now have students in our classrooms who are speaking to far more people than they will ever meet. We've got kids with YouTube channels, we have got kids working through things like Roblox um, and making online communities for themselves where they're communicating with a number of people all the time. We also have kids making little videos and short films to share with others. And so, you know, this has become more than just writing letters or texting. We really need to equip our students with the skills to make commercials, make um, um, advertisements and and short documentaries and things like that, along with written word, spoken word, um, um, artistic Um, communication as well, so building websites, um, interactive artworks and those sorts of things online as well. Um, And so I think that's something that's really important and we need to listen to them to hear where they are communicating with one another and explore those things in more detail. One big one at the moment is Roblox. Um, my kids play Roblox, and I actually quite like it because it's some entrepreneurial ship built in. For example, uh, one of my kids showed me through this mansion they'd recently built, and I sort of said, "Oh, it's lovely." It actually was amazing. I would move in tomorrow, given the chance. Uh, very well thought out, um, except for the laundry, which she'd put in the hallway. You know, she doesn't do laundry, so she hadn't thought about um, the fact that this may have some issues. Um, but the rest of it was fantastic and I said oh how did you build this did did you get a kid? what happened how did you get did you need money and she said yes it actually cost me $180,000 and I said well how did you get $180,000 don't tell me you went use your pocket money to buy Roblox credit she said no mum I I got a job um, at the Roblox pizza shop and I said what what show me so she did she got in a little car and she drove off to the roblox pizza shop and she said well i just go in here and i sign on and i grab some pizzas and i said well how do you know where to deliver them she said well they tell you and you go and you deliver them and you get some money each time you deliver a pizza and once i'd saved up enough money i was able to build my mansion so that entrepreneurship is there however you know while i'm watching them play roblox which i quite often do in my downtime to see how they're communicating with other people out there You know, we saw a whole range of other people um, walking around that were trying to communicate with her. Now, we'd turned off communication with strangers in the game because I just think that's a good idea. But while she was delivering pizzas, a random stranger had actually walked into her home and was looking around. Um, And she said to me, oh, they've made some changes while they're in here. So this whole idea about communicating, um, you know, that ethical how could she communicate to this person not to do that you know should she lock her doors these are real life concerns as well you know so what is (laughs) right um it's a it's a lot bigger and it's a different world than we're used to existing in and you know she said oh i often see my friends or my brothers in this world and and um it was a very different way of communicating than i'm used to so that's communication Research. We need to explain to kids how to use the internet to safely research. And I did a lesson a couple of weeks ago about websites, web addresses, knowing which ones may be safer to get your information from. And so we we did a lot of decompression position of web addresses and then looking at at the important parts, a bit of abstraction to see file extensions and how much we would trust particular websites based on their address and their file extension. So we looked at .coms, how simple and easy and quick it is to register a .com and how anybody anywhere in the world can pop up a website at any time and put information on. And this is really important because kids often, and adults too, think that if it's online, then it's true. We've all seen those memes and we laugh at them, but it doesn't stop the point that people believe what they read online. Um, so we looked at some other file extensions. We looked at um, .com.au only being Australian registered companies, and so that that may be a little bit more credible if we got some information from them we looked at dot org and how a lot of people will trust information on dot orgs because they're not for profit and that they have to be put together in the public interest but we talked a little bit about how dot orgs usually have an a preformed idea that they're trying to educate the public about so these are very persuasive websites and sometimes you may agree with what's on there and sometimes you may not Um, and so it's really important for kids to understand that dot orgs often have their own agenda and yes they are not-for-profit and yes they are in the public interest but they may not always align with your values and morals and ethics so that's a really important point to make We then looked at EDU um, extensions and um, understood that EDU extensions are only for educational facilities. They have to have a bricks and mortar presence. So you know that an EDU extension is going to mean that it's a school somewhere in the world and not just somebody's bedroom um, where they're they're making whatever they want. Um, Of course, you know, sometimes particular schools might not align with your values morals and ethics either so you know you still have to have a critical eye critical thinking about whether or not this this website is going to suit your purposes Um, and so you know these are things that kids need to think about and talk about and know that when they're doing some research there are certainly some places that are safer than others if you want to make sure your information is accurate And maybe making a list of those and researching to find out how accurate they are is probably a really good exercise in digital literacy. Um, There are a few places that we can go for help if you want more information about that. So you know there's the good old Snopes where you can check information, and that's been going around for oh more than fifteen years i I don't know when they started, but certainly they've got some longevity behind them and some credibility um but there are some other places that we can go to teach students about how to check their information so um, we can do reverse image searches. Sometimes you see a picture, and this can be a really interesting experiment to do with kids. See a picture that supports some information, look at where that picture originally came from, because we know that pictures are being misused to support arguments they were not designed for. And um, that can be interesting. ABC Education have got um, some really great resources. If you look at Media Literacy um, and ABC Education, you'll come to a website that has some basic lesson plans that you can run through with your students. They're safe, they're light, they're easy to use. And they're not going to be too scary, which is fantastic. That was put together for Media Literacy Week um, in September last year. I hope they're going to have another one. And so that's a great resource if you're looking for some ways to teach kids that the internet may not be the airtight trove of, of accurate information they're hoping it is. Um, National Geographic have also made um, some resources so there's a great article called teach your kids to detect fake news and photos and you can go through there and have a look at some of the resources that are there. So finally I just want to make a case for innovation and innovative thinking. I'm not sure about you but in my classrooms in the last few years I've increasingly found that students are used to always succeeding. They have been set up for success all the way through their short lives whether that's at home or in the classroom And the way that that's happened is that students have been given kits of things that are pre-drilled and pre-measured and pre-made. Even in the kitchen they're making, you know, box cakes and things like that rather than things from scratch. So... Their thinking has been rather um, directed by those around them and they're great at following instructions, but they're not great at thinking creatively when they get into a challenge or an issue. They're not great at inventing new things. And this comes through with their story writing, but also, you know, in their scientific explorations and in technology, if they're asked to make something, it's really difficult for them to make something truly innovative and new. They tend to go on to make something they've seen before. And probably lots of us adults are very um, guilty of those things as well. So how do we get students to think creatively? How do we get them to exercise those creativity muscles to solve the problems that are in front of them using the equipment they have around them? One place I found just recently, and I shared it on the Facebook page this week, is the Google Google sorry Impact Challenge. And so this was a challenge that was run Um, last year 2018 and it asked people out out there in the community to innovate to solve a problem that was around them and then Google rewarded them financially with some prize money. So I'll tell you about a couple of them that are there because some of them are things that we've heard about in our media and they're really great and innovative ideas. So the first one that you probably have heard is the Orange Sky Laundry. It's called Orange Sky isn't it? Let me just double check. Yes, Orange Sky Australia. And so a few years ago, some teenagers had to find a a problem to solve. They looked at um, the homeless people living on the street and said, well, they don't have access to hygiene. They don't have washing machines and things to wash their clothes. So these boys came up with an idea of putting washing machines and dryers on the back of a truck and taking them to the people. When this idea was first floated, I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of people looked at those boys and said, hey, listen, that's just hopeless. We cannot do that. How can we get the water to the washing machines? How can we have effective drainage? How are we going to make sure that these things have power and electricity and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure there were loads of naysayers who said this will never work. But in fact, it does work. And it was a winner of one of those innovation challenges. So that's that's the thing, that all great innovative ideas start out sounding a little crazy you know 15 years ago if someone said you're going to have a little computer that's small enough to fit in your pocket where you'll be able to actually um look at people on the other side of the world and talk to them in real time you'll be able to research things record things make films all of all those sorts of things we would have said no way no way jose never in 50, 100 years will we get to that stage of technology. And yet we all have smartphones in our hands and in our pockets that are capable of doing all of those things and so much more. So we really need to think about encouraging kids to think way outside of the box. That, you know, if they have an amazing idea, yeah, we might not be able to do it right now, but there's probably a way to make that happen if we really want to and we have the right resources around us. So Orange Sky Australia, that was a great one. There are a few other ones as well. Um, QUT designed um, some robots that protect the reef. Um, they have a special little robot that can go out, identify the crown of thorns starfish, and inject it with a substance which is not harmful to all the things around it, but will kill it so that it can so that it will no longer continue to destroy the reef around it. So you know that's a, a robot that goes out and shoots crown of stars. Th- uh, crown of thorn starfish someone probably went no way and yet there they are they're out there doing their work right now um things like um applications or apps for people with anxiety to calm them down that was a winner as well um a dugong detector using drones ai and and dugongs to monitor seagrass ecosystems affordably you know these don't sound like great ideas and yet they are and they're out there and they're working. And so perhaps having a look at some of those websites that are attached to people who are winners um, that might really get the kids thinking about new ways of looking at existing problems. And certainly having problems in your school and having the students involved in resolving those issues or working to minimize the impact of those issues in the school that's a great way for them to exercise their creative muscle and a great way for them to build confidence as problem solvers and have some agency in the world around them. So in a nutshell, the 21st century skills we've talked about today are collaboration negotiation, entrepreneurial spirit, ethical citizenship, digital literacy and all that entails, it's not just ICT and lastly innovation. So hopefully I've given you some food for thought this week If you want to make a comment, ask a question, leave a link that I can share with the other listeners, please head to Mrs. Techie's Technology Classroom and just send me a message through there. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in again. I really appreciate it and have a great week.